This episode of the Astro Powder Podcast is brought to you by Gamma. Synchronized monitoring and control of your entire automated process is the core of Gamma's Magic Control 4.0 data management systems. With options like line management, offering deeper insight into productivity and consumption, or energy management, allowing you to monitor and save both energy and air consumption, or batch management, offering tracking of powder used to coat production batches. Gamma provides the very best in technology and connectivity for smarter factory automation. To learn more about Gamma's Magic Control 4.0 data management systems, visit completeitwithgamma.com. Connect it, control it, track it, synchronize it. Complete it with Gamma. Hello, all you powder coating fans, and welcome to episode 47 of the Astro Powder Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Powder a.k.a. Kevin Biller, and with me, as always, is my esteemed colleague, sidekick, Nathan. He's ChemQuest Powder Coating Research's Vice President of Technology. (laughs) All right, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. We're broadcasting from the ChemQuest Powder Coating Research Studios in Columbus, Ohio. The purpose of the Astro Powder Podcast is to bring the latest news and technical know-how to the global powder coating community. So let's get it rolling. All right. But before we do, shout out. I'd like to give a hearty shout out to Chris Merritt of Gama. The reason for this shout out is Chris has been promoted to a well-earned position of vice president of Gama North America. In his new role, he'll be leading strategic development and growth initiatives within North America. Fantastic. I think it's great that Chris is being promoted. Well-deserved. He's been with GEMA for over 38 years, which if you look at the history of GEMA and his history there, it started out as Randsburg as far back as I know. Then it was ITW... Brandsburg, ITW Gama, like Yes. It's gone through a number of iterations and now it's Graco. Right. Yeah. But but they maintain their Gama. Ten years or so, I think. Yeah. But uh since two thousand six he's been general manager of Gama North America. So this is a you know, bump up the uh the ladder for Chris. Chris has done an outstanding job throughout his career. I've known him for a num- well, for at least a couple decades. Not only does he do his job really well for the company, um, he's also been a, an advocate and active participant for the powder coating industry. He's a published author and he's a speaker, but he's been involved with the Powder Coating Institute for as far back as I can recall. He's been, I don't know how many times he's been president of the executive committee but uh yeah he's been very involved and here's a little known fact because you know chris is a humble dude he's got several u.s patents in powder coating technology so good for you chris we're all proud of you and uh thanks for everything you do for the industry all right it's time for our 
Guess what segment? Guess what? All right, the first one comes from IPCM. They report that Axonobel has expanded its range of powder coatings to include five enhanced versions of Resicoat, specifically developed to protect battery systems and other components in electric vehicles. The the Resicoat line is their protective or their functional coatings line, and it goes back 50 years with the pipeline coatings, the rebar coatings, stuff like that. So it's natural that they would adapt that technology for the electrical components, especially in electric vehicles. It looks like they have like five different lines here for different parts of the electrical system. Yeah, you know, and I, with this one, Nate, Part of the Resicoat line historically has included functional coatings for electrical equipment like um, commercial transformers and and uh, electricity uh, distribution systems long before EV ever came came to a reality. Right. So they're familiar with all the UL type of stuff with the everything from electrical resistivity to flame. Inhibition, yeah, thermal degradation, those sort of things that come up with electrical components, especially. Yeah, for for these guys, it was a natural because things, you know, they piggyback technology based on their vast experience of these things that you just mentioned. So good for them, and I think they're uh, doing a really good job of meeting the needs of the industry with this type of technology. So. Um, good job, Axel. Yeah, and we've been beating that drum for a while now, saying electric vehicles and all the electrical components are just a huge opportunity for the powder market just because they all need a coating, and there's a lot of surface area there. It, and the people that are building EVs are focused on powder coatings for the, the durability for the functional coats. So it's a great fit. All right, here's one from Coatings World. 3M uh, has announced that they're going to exit the manufacturing of PFAS. That's um, PFAS, polyfluoroalkyl substances, which another thing that we've been probably talking about for a number of episodes now, but it's become a real driver, real concern in the industry. There's regulations coming down. Right now it's more like rolling out state to state, but usually – once that meets a certain amount of momentum, then you start seeing broader changes on the national level. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of amazing, you know, put things in perspective. Their annual net sales of manufactured PFAS-containing products, uh, it's $1.3 billion. It's nothing to sneeze at. Right, and, you know, so that means along with that, there's going to be innovation, there's going to be new materials to replace the stuff that's outgoing, but they're, they said by the end of 2025, they'll discontinue the use of PFAS across the board, which yeah. is huge change. Yeah, for sure. Right, and here's one from Coatings Tech Magazine. It's about a unique catalyst for low-temperature cure epoxy powder coatings. And I would recommend with this one, just pick up the magazine or go to the website for Coatings Tech and take a look at it because it's very, very long. Um, this was King Industries, uh, Matthew Gadman. Uh, he's, you know, a friend of the lab, 
but they've um, developed new catalyst technology when you compare it to the traditional midazoles, to a Maya in particular, it gives you um, really good temperature reduction with um, without much discoloration at even a lower loading level. Yeah, th- you know, Nate, this looks like a next generation catalyst technology, and and the the people at King Industries they're really really clued into um, not only catalyst technology but the evolving needs of. Uh, the industry, you know, some of it has to do with toxicity and, and handling and stuff like that. Very, very smart people there. And they did a very, very nice job of uh, uh, analyzing and evaluating this technology and in, in suitable powder coating systems. You mentioned uh, the website, if I'm not mistaken, it's paint.org, which is American Coatings Association. Easy enough to remember. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a long article, my friends. You know, sit down, get yourself a mug of your favorite beverage, and and uh, dig in. It's pretty interesting stuff. Okay, my friends, we're going to try something new. We've uh, established a new segment to our Ask Joe Powder podcast. Our expert testing um, manager, uh, Nick Page, is going to enlighten us uh, on a regular basis on test methodology that are test methodology that's done in the powder coating industry. Uh, this new segment is called a look in the lab with Nick. In this episode, Nick is going to be enlightening all you listeners with his knowledge and expertise running adhesion tests. Yeah. And as a kind of tie in with this, if you go to our YouTube channel, we're going to actually be putting these little, you know, probably two, three, maybe five-minute videos on these different topics. We're going to be putting videos up on our YouTube channel. So if you want to actually see the test in action, go ahead and check that out there. That sounds great. Um, It'll be very informative, and, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a great uh, addition to this uh, broadcast. Doobie-boobie-dee-boo. Look in the lab. Yo, this is Nick, and welcome to A Look in the Lab, where I'll discuss the how and why of different powder coating test methods. Today we'll be discussing cross-hatch adhesion testing via ASTM test method D-3359B. So today we're going to talk about adhesion, a very important property of any coating. This test method covers procedures for assessing the adhesion of a coating to metallic substrates by applying and removing pressure-sensitive tape over cuts made in the film. As a quick note, this test method is similar to, though not technically equivalent with, ISO standard 2409. This ASTM standard describes two test methods, designated as method A and method B, with the main difference being the types of cuts through the coating. Method A is a single X cut, while method B is a lattice of 6 or 11 cuts made perpendicular to each other to produce a checkerboard pattern. In both methods, pressure-sensitive tape is applied over the cuts and removed. Here in the lab, we typically use method B, and that's what I'll be describing today. The first step in running this adhesion test is to locate an area of the coating that is flat and free of imperfections, and to make the cuts. There are multi-tip cutting tools designed to perform this test that you can use, but a sufficiently sharp blade or knife will work as well, so long as it can provide a clean and narrow cut through the coating. 
The exact parameters for these cuts should be in accordance with your customer's specification, but the ASTM standard does provide a guide for how many cuts and how evenly spaced apart each cut should be based on the thickness of the film. Today I'll make six parallel cuts roughly two millimeters apart and repeat that after rotating the panel 90 degrees, which will give me a grid of 25 squares cut into the film. The next step is to brush away any loose film that may have dislodged during the cutting process, and then to apply pressure-sensitive tape over the lattice of cuts. I like to cut about 5 or 6 inches of tape so that I'm able to apply and remove it a few times without having to reuse a section, although the method only calls for one. I like to be thorough. The adhesive strength of this tape should be agreed upon between the supplier and the customer to reduce any ambiguity in the results. Today I'll be using Intertape LA-26. You want to completely cover the area with the cuts, and using your finger or a pencil eraser, press down on all the areas to make sure that there is full contact between the tape and the tested area. After allowing the tape around a minute to rest, but not much longer, you should rapidly remove it by pulling the free end of the tape back over itself at as close to 180 degrees as possible. To ensure nothing is missed, I repeat this tape pull process two more times with unused portions of the tape and at different angles over the lattice of cuts, although again, it's not required. Once that is completed, all that remains is to evaluate the degree of coating loss due to lack of adhesion to the substrate. The ASTM method details six ratings for degree of coating loss, and the ISO method, they use an inverse numbering system, so always make sure you're aware of which method you're reporting and that your client is expecting. The ASTM standard runs from 5B, 0% of the coating lost, down to 0B, where greater than 65% of the coating has been removed. The ISO standard uses 5 as the worst rating and 0 as the best. The ratings are determined by the percentage of coating removed. As you'll recall, our 6x6 grid produced 25 squares of film, which equates to each fully removed square being around 4% of the coating lost. Uh, If you used an 11x11 cut system, you would have 100 squares. So these can be useful for ascertaining the approximate percentage of film removed, although more refined digital analytical methods exist for determining the exact amount of coating lost. Simply compare this amount to the appropriate rating scale for your test method and report the corresponding classification. And remember, don't guess, do a test. Wow, enlightening stuff, Nick. All right, my friends, it's time for a word from our sponsors. Synchronized monitoring and control of your automatic coding process is at the core of the powerful, user-friendly platforms for complete smart factory automation by Gama. Gama Connect, the newest smart factory production information tool from Gama, provides full visibility of the current status and key performance indicators for your Gama powder coating system. The Gama Connect dashboard, available anytime and anywhere, is a safe cloud-based digital management tool providing comprehensive monitoring and analyzing capabilities that empower you to improve your operational efficiency, maximize resources, and reduce operating costs. To learn more, visit completeitwithgama.com. To speak with a representative or schedule a demonstration, call 877-437-6771. And be sure to mention, Ask Joe sent me. Connect it, synchronize it, analyze it, optimize it. Now is the time to complete it with Gama. The Powder Coating Research Group is now part of the ChemQuest Group, proud sponsor of the Ask Joe Powder Podcast. ChemQuest Powder Coating Research is the only independent laboratory dedicated to powder coating technology. We do everything from evaluating raw materials, formulating the next generation of coating, developing new products, 
consulting, testing, troubleshooting, and training. Our parent company, ChemQuest, provides expert business strategy and advisory services in all aspects of the specialty chemicals value chain, including expertise in both liquid and powder coating. To find out more, visit our website at powdercoatingresearch.com or ChemQuest's website at www.chemquest.com. You can email Kevin Biller at kbiller at chemquest.com. Thanks for listening to the Astro Powder Podcast. The ChemQuest Group is the parent company of CQPCR and provides strategic consulting to companies throughout the specialty chemicals value chain, including advisory services on business strategy, market research, mergers, acquisitions, or divestitures, manufacturing excellence, and formulation, application development, and benchmarking for liquid coatings and adhesives through our sister facility, the ChemQuest Technology Institute. Please contact Edie Fox Abrams, Vice President of Business Development at info at chemquest.com. All right, welcome back. Time for our question and answer segment of our broadcast. Do you have a question? Ask Joe Powder. Well, you can ask him. Ask Joe Powder. He has the answer. That will answer. Powder coating. It's the Ask Joe Powder podcast. All right, and our first question comes from James in Northern Ireland. James says, hi, Joe. I'm James, the quality technician from a finishing house in Northern Ireland. I'm currently in the process of doing some R&D with powder coating on top of chilled iron grit blasted material. And we're currently experiencing problems. I thought you might have good knowledge of the subject after reading your Q&As with other powder coaters. The system we have in place is the SA 2.5 grit blasting, then coated with APP 120, it's a zinc-rich primer, and cured at 180 degrees for 30 minutes. However, after this stage, the top coat refuses to adhere to the primed substrate, when it does, it generally stars up during spraying. I've tried spraying it hot with a metal temp greater than 150C, changing cure times for the primer, shorter bake times at higher temp, lowering gun KVs, and changing the base primer, but none of it gets satisfactory results. I was just wondering if there was anything basic that I could be missing or a variable I have overlooked in order to give better results. I understand if you aren't willing to divulge such inf- information. If you have any questions for me, please don't hesitate to ask. Kind regards, James. Hey, James. Uh, I, I'm willing to divulge some information, so don't worry about that. But thanks for your question, and it's great to hear from uh, from you in Northern Ireland. Matter of fact, I think I may be visiting Northern Ireland uh, later this uh, this year. So maybe we can cross paths, but... Sounds like you're getting rather frustrated and getting good parts off your finishing line. The concept of blasting the metal, it's a good idea. And if you make this dual coat approach work, you're going to have a very durable finish. To make this work, though, the devil is in the details, if I might sound cliche. Um... The biggest problem seems to be getting a good second coat on these prime parts. The very first place that you need to investigate is 
are you getting a good earth to your parts? Now, you mentioned you're seeing starring and poor film build, and this is probably indicative of poor electrical continuity to the earth or the ground. To check the continuity to earth, you've got to use, it's kind of counterintuitive, but you've got to use a special ohm meter. Um, it's not, not just a regular volt ohm meter you would get at a hardware shop. This would be a meg ohm meter, which um, not only it measures resistance, but as it does it, it provides 500 volts DC, which really helps to define the resistance more accurately. You want to get one of these devices, and you want to measure it, you, you have to have one meg ohm or less resistance. Um, I would say, you know, 0.5 meg ohm would be better, and, and anything less than that is, is even better than that. So if you have greater than 0.5 meg ohms or one meg ohm, you should start looking for poor contact points, including hooks, hangers, racks, and conveyors if you have them. The other thing you mentioned was you were having trouble getting adhesion, uh, even when you did get the, the coated the coating on that primer. Here's what I would do. You mentioned 30 minutes of 180 or shorter time for a higher temperature. I would kind of cut that in half or even less for time. What you want to do is kind of gel the primer, but don't cure it completely um, because the second coat will have better adhesion and, and maybe even a you know, chemical bite into the primer if you partially cure uh, the primer. And then during the second coat bake, you, you hit it with a full curing cycle. This will provide you with the best intercoat adhesion. Hope this helps, James. Please let me know if you have any further questions. I'll give you a holler and let you know if I'm going to be in Northern Ireland later this year. Warm regards, Joe. All right, and our second question comes from Miss Wen in Vietnam. She says, Dear Mr. Joe Powder, is there any way to reduce the hardness for powder coating? We're using a polyester resin for a powder coating with a pencil hardness of 3H. However, our customer requires 1H hardness. Looking forward to hearing from you, Miss Wen. Well, hello again, Miss Wen. It's very nice to hear from you. And this is an unusual request. Usually, people are looking for greater hardness, uh, which may translate into better scratch resistance or uh, better durability. But you mentioned that your customer wants a 1H hardness. And I guess what they're implying is, uh, they don't want it higher or lower, perhaps. Right. So. Usually, it's a it's a, it's a minimum in a specification, and there's no top end. Yeah, but I can tell you how you can reduce uh, the pencil hardness of your formulation. And and for our fans out there, uh, Miss Gwen, she works for a company that manufactures uh, powder coatings in Vietnam. So we're going to talk about the formulation aspects of this uh, this problem. You can reduce the hardness, and this is a polyester powder coating, by adjusting the formulation. Um, first, first place to look would be reducing the cross-link density, and that's basically the distance between chemical bonds 
of the cured powder. This can be done by switching your carboxyl polyester to what you're using, which is probably a carboxyl polyester with an acid value around 30 to 35. Switch it to a lower acid value um, polyester material. Um, you can find those that are in the 20 to 25 acid value range. By doing this, this will require less crosslinker. Your crosslinker is probably going to be TGIC or could be HAA. But um, regardless, either one, you'll have less crosslinker and, as, as you can imagine, less crosslink density. By less crosslink density, the overall surface hardness of the coating will be reduced, which will reduce this pencil hardness test. Now that, you know, keeping that in mind, there's a good chance you're going to reduce at least slightly your chemical resistance and quite possibly your corrosion resistance of the coating. So be aware of that. Another way of reducing crosslink density is just cut back on your crosslinker level using the same polyester resin. You can knock, you know, maybe... 10% of your crosslinker out and still get relatively good performance with a slightly softer uh, coating surface. But again, you're going to be giving up some chemical resistance and probably some corrosion resistance as well. The other thing you should keep in mind, and we're kind of getting in the weeds here about formulating, but if you're using a quote-unquote super durable polyester these are inherently harder than uh, in an industrial grade or standard durable polyester resin. So if you're using a super durable grade, you can replace it with a, a more you know, standard or industrial grade. And this will knock a couple of pencil hardnesses off of uh, the performance of the surface. Lastly, the choice of your mineral filler could affect the pencil hardness. If you have a mineral filler that has a, a high Mohs hardness, then it may be contributing to, to a, a harder film. Um, if it's over five, you may want to switch to a softer filler in your formulation. Calcium carbonate has a Mohs hardness of about three, and barium sulfate is slightly higher in hardness, but still quite soft with a, a Mohs hardness of 3.5. That'll help you reduce the pencil hardness a little bit more. So I hope this helps, and I'm wishing you a happy, healthy, and prosperous 2023. Kind regards, Mr. Joe Powder. All right, guys, let's talk about uh, upcoming events. Hey, friends, where are we going? To an upcoming event. All right, this one's coming up quick. The powder coating week is in SeaWorld Orlando uh, Renaissance Hotel, February 6th through 8th. That's the Powder Coating Institute's whole week of events going from the – there's the powder coating workshop, the CCAI get-together, and then there's the powder coating technical conference. And we're actually going to have a table there if you want to come by and um, – Pick Joe's brain. <laughs> yeah, be there or be square, my friends. Yeah, we're going to be in Orlando, so let us know. Um, we'd, we'd love to, you know, hang out with you. And, uh, yeah, it's always a good... Uh, it's a conference and expo, so there's there are technical talks and there's 
um, Tabletop Expo. So. Yeah. So, yeah, hope to see you there in Orlando. All right. And then the February 12th through 17th is the International Waterborne High Solids and Powder Coating Symposium in New Orleans. Uh, that's you know typically shortened to the Waterborne Symposium. They usually have a little bit about powder, but it's uh, another event. Yeah, they, they've been trying to do that for, for a number of years. This is actually their 50th. Wow. Um, Waterborne Symposium. Um, I've spoken at it a couple of times. It, it's kind of a nice time of the year to go down to New Orleans, a little warmer than the northern climates. <laughs> and it's, uh, I believe it's a week, just the week before Mardi Gras. So, yeah, people are in a good mood. All right. Then at the same time, February 13th through 15th in Saudi Arabia, <laughs> it's the Saudi Arabia Coding Show. Yeah. And the other thing that, uh, can make you all aware of is uh, the first and second of March. We'll be uh, conducting one of our powder coating kitchen formulator courses. Right, and we hold that in person at our lab in Columbus, Ohio. Seating is limited, so you know, uh, reserve a seat as soon as you can. We'll take good care of you. It's it's a pretty small class. Everybody gets to know each other. And plenty of time for interaction, networking, and questions. Uh, and it's a hands-on and lecture course in our laboratory. Right. So if you want to learn about what goes into a powder coating and why, that's pretty good intro, I think. Yeah. Then later in March, the 27th through 30th of March, is the European Coating Show and Conference in Nuremberg, Germany. That's one of the big, big... Events happens every other year, and everybody's going to be there. Yeah, then in uh, at the end of June, June 26th through 27th, in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, the American Coatings Association will be holding their Coatings Tech Conference, which it's a conference. It's you know I think they have some tabletops, but really it's it's more focused on the conference end of things, and there's going to be some excellent talks. Uh, we're going to give, you know, the people from our lab, uh, we're going to give a, um, a short course on low temperature cure powder coating technology. That's the first day. And it's, it's being held at a really cool hotel. Used to be an arcade, um, hmm. in downtown Cleveland. So it'd be great to see some of our friends there. Yeah, I'll be playing the pinball machines. <laughs> okay. If you'd like to, um, experience the Ask Joe Powder column in print, which we use that in print uh, in quotations now. You can find it uh, Polymer's Paint and Color Journal uh, on their website, uh, PPCJ, and their sister publication, Asia Pacific Coatings Journal. You can also find it at PCI Magazine, Paint and Coatings Industry, PCIMag.com. We have our Podcast listed there and also some, some question and answers. You can also see us in print and on the website of IPCM, our great friends there out of Milan, uh, International Paint Coatings Magazine. You can also find the Joe Powder column in the um, archived back issues of Powder Coated Tough Magazine. You can find that at powdercoating.org. We have another column called Ask the Expert. This one's in products finishing. Our good friends at pfonline.com. 
we yeah just this year we're publishing in products finishing and uh yeah with a focus more on OEM type applications but yeah take a take a peek or a listen there as well you can find us online at askjoepowder.com uh we're on all of the podcast apps where we can find podcasts i'd recommend you subscribe so that you know when a new episode comes out uh as mentioned before we have a youtube channel you can find it search for ask joe powder and you should be able to find the channel there but we're going to be putting those testing segments up there we have all of the podcasts just the audio of them but there are also a few with video like when we did the interviews in the past if you'd like to ask a question, the email address is askjoepowder at yahoo.com. You can call and leave us a message at country code 1-478-2-ASK-JOE. That's 1-478-227-5563. This has been a production of ChemQuest Powder Coating Research. Our original music editing and test descriptions are done by Nick Page. And... Nick, I'm going to need some some dramatic uh, piano music for this. What the fuck did you just uh, say about me, you little... I'll have you know I graduated top of my class in the Navy SEALs. I've been involved in numerous secret raids on Al-Qaeda, and I have over 300 confirmed kills. I'm trained in guerrilla warfare. I'm the top sniper in the entire U.S. Armed Forces. You're nothing to me but just another target. I'll wipe you the fuck um, out with precision the likes of which has never been seen before on this earth. Mark my um, words. You think you can get away with saying that um, to me over the internet? Think again. Um, As we speak, I'm contacting my secret network of spies across the USA, and your IP is being traced right now, so you better prepare for the storm, maggot. The storm that wipes out the pathetic little thing you call your life. You're f- um, dead, kid. I can be anywhere, anytime. I can kill you in over 700 ways, and that's just with my bare hands. Not only am I excessively trained in unarmed combat, but I have access to the entire arsenal of the United States Marine Corps, and I will use it to its full extent to wipe your miserable um, ass off the face of the continent, you little... Um... If only you could have known what unholy retribution your little clever comment was about to bring down upon you, maybe you would have held your f- um, tongue. But you couldn't, you didn't, and now you're paying the price, you um, idiot. I'll uh, fury all over you, and you will drown in it. You're um, dead, kiddo. And remember, keep your powder dry. Sorry, I just wanted to, to record the Navy SEAL coffee. <clears throat>
437-6771. And be sure to mention, Ask Joe sent me. Bring it, boost it, change it, finish it. Now is the time to complete it with Gamma. Um, 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 um,